Good morning. Good morning. It's, it's good to be here this morning and, and to worship worship God with every one of you. It's good to, to sing songs of praise like we've just done, uh, to, to pray to Him, bring our, our petitions to Him, and, and speak with our Father, and, and, to, and to, to remember the death of His Son, uh, the, the sacrifice that was made so that we could all worship Him like we are today, so that we could be saved from our sins, from the guilt of our sins, um, and have rest with him in the end. <clears throat> so, growing up, going going to Bible class, um, there is a there is a, a banner that went around the top of the Bible class, uh, the, the classroom uh, that I, that I was in as a kid, and it was a banner that that maybe some here might be familiar with as well. Um, and, and, and what the banner was, a, a poster banner, whatever you want to call it, uh, it, was, it was of the, the kings of the divided kingdom, kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. And, the, and all that it was, it, it would have like, you know, the face of a king, he had the crown on, of course, it had his name, it, it, might, it may have had the years that he reigned, I don't remember that. Um, but the, the most impressionable, or the, the thing that was impressed upon me the most, thing I remember remember the most, is you know, the, the face that was on there of the king, it was either smiling or he was frowning. And, and he was smiling or frowning based on whether he was a good king or a bad king. Um, and so maybe maybe you've seen that poster before, maybe you haven't. You've at least had it described to you now. Um, and, but that's, that's something that I, I remember from my childhood a lot. Um, there's just the, the banner with the good kings and the bad kings of the divided kingdom. And there, there's nothing wrong with that banner or anything like that. I think it's, uh, especially you know, in, a, in a kid's class, it's, it's probably helpful just as a starting place for the kids to, for, to remember the stories, to remember who's who, um, and, and that kind of thing. Not, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, however, as I've gotten older, um, I, I think I have seen a problem arise, not not with the banner itself, nothing wrong with that, but I think a problem arises when we never go deeper uh, with stories like those of the divided kingdom uh, than just, oh, he was a good king or he was a bad king. When we just when we just leave it at smiley face or frowny face, I, I think some problems can arise there and the problems that I've, I've seen in my own life here um, with not, not, not taking things from these stories that are reported for us like I should. And I, I commend to the group, as others have, Bubba's lessons, he's been doing a, a great job going through the books of the first and second kings and pulling out the, the meanings of those stories, the applications there that, that are there for us. And that's been very beneficial for me, learning things that I, that I had neglected over the years. Um, but I, I, like I said, this, this is a problem that I've seen in my own life and, and Maybe some people, maybe it'll apply for some people in here. Maybe, maybe this is just going to be confession time for Reagan. But, but we're we're gonna roll with it. Because um, I think when we when we look at the kings with this binary mindset that they're either good or they're bad, um, we we kind of like I said, we, I've kind of stopped there at times. Once we determine whether they're good or bad, it's like we've learned everything that we need to learn about them. And that the takeaway, maybe there's a takeaway, but that takeaway is probably just that. You know, we should do the good things that the good kings did, and we shouldn't do the bad things that the bad, thing, that the bad kings did. Um, but when, when I approach it like this, 
where when I have approached it like this before, just in this very binary, good or bad type of mindset, it's caused some problems for me as I'm reading and as I'm studying. Because what am I supposed to do when I, when I come upon a king who seems to be a good king? If I look at the banner in my childhood classroom, he's probably smiling. But he does some bad things throughout his story. What am I supposed to do with that? Maybe the other way around. What, what am I supposed to do when I read about a king who probably had a frowny face, but then he did something good? And we, we read about even Ahab in 1 Kings 21 <coughs> repents and humbles himself before the Lord, at least for a time. So what, what am I supposed to do with, with um, good kings who do bad, king, bad things and bad kings who might do some good things? <clears throat> this morning, uh, I want to study what it looks like, perhaps, when we take a deeper slightly more nuanced view of the kings of, of, of Israel and of Judah. And I think we're going to see, once we do that, that there may be some important lessons that we learn along the way that we can apply in our own lives. And so this morning, if you want to, go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles 17. Uh, we're going to be talking about Jehoshaphat this morning. We're going to use him kind of as a case study uh, for the kings as a whole. Um, but the we're going to be looking at him specifically. However, I think the points that we're going to discuss can be applied to how we view any of the kings and even how we view other characters in the Bible as well. So, Second uh, Chronicles 17, um, and Jehoshaphat's life, uh, that's recorded for us in Second Chronicles, goes from chapter 17 through the end of chapter 20. And just for us to get an overview of his life, uh, I'm, I'm going to read some selected verses from each of these, uh, from each of these chapters. So I'll, I'll call the verses out as I read them, but we're going to be uh, bouncing around some just to kind of get an idea of what the entirety of Jehoshaphat's life, as it's recorded for us, is like. Um, and before we dive into that, Jehoshaphat definitely had a smiley face on that banner. Jehoshaphat would, would have been, you know, he's considered, he, he's a good king, he's a smiley face king. Um, but let's, let's look at his life and see why that might be the case and maybe some questions that arise. All right, so, so 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Uh, first we'll read verses 3 through 6. 2 Chronicles 17 beginning in verse 3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. So the Lord established the kingdom in his control, and all of Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord, and again removed the high places in the Asherim from Judah. And skipping down uh, to verse 9, he, he's just uh, ordained various officials, says that they, these officials, taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. All right, so really, really good start so far. This smiley face is making a lot of sense. He's seeking after God like his father David did. He's sending people out throughout the nation to teach the, the people, the citizens about the law, about the Lord. <clears throat> so good, good start for our guy Jehoshaphat this morning. But then let's look in, in chapter 18, the first three verses of chapter 18. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor. And he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. Some years later, he went down to visit Ahab at Samaria. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? 
And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the battle. Alright, so the narrative is just kind of slamming on the brakes here. You can hear like screeching to a halt almost. Like, what, what is Jehoshaphat doing? We've got really good chapter 17. He's 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 seeking the Lord, he's sending people out to teach about the Lord. But then when we get to 18, he's he's allying himself with Ahab, who we know come from other other uh, place in the scripture, Ahab was like the worst of the worst in Israel. But Jehoshaphat is saying th- things to him like, I am as you are, and my people are as your people. We're, we're going to go up with you to, to this battle. <clears throat> and, then, and then verse 4, moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. So he's, he's allying himself with, with Ahab, but he's still within this seeking the, the, the word of the Lord. He's, he's like, yes, we'll go up to the battle, but can we first seek to see what the Lord would say about this matter? So, okay, maybe we're feeling a little better about Jehoshaphat right now. He, he's still seeking the Lord, even though he's with Ahab. So uh, they, uh, Ahab gets all these false prophets, and they're all like, yeah, go on up, do what you want to do, king. Um, but then Jehoshaphat's like, is there not a prophet of the Lord who we can hear from as well? I don't hear about these false prophets, an actual prophet of the Lord. So they bring in this this prophet named Micaiah. And in verse 16 of chapter 18, here's what Micaiah has to say about going to battle. <clears throat> so he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? So Micaiah, his, the words of the Lord to Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat asked for the words of the Lord. And what the Lord says is, you know, a, the, 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 the sheep of Israel will be scattered. In essence, Ahab, the king, is going to be killed. And all of his subjects, all of his soldiers, they'll be scattered. This is the word of the Lord that Jehoshaphat was looking for. And, I mean, the implication is, don't go up. You go up, you're not going to win. You will not be successful. God is not going to be with them if they go up to battle. <clears throat> but then let's read in verse 28 now. So that, that, that was what the Lord said. Jehoshaphat wanted to know what the Lord said. Verse 28 of chapter 18. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you, you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the captains of his chariots, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. So when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. <clears throat> when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. A certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. The battle raged that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot in front of the Arameans until the evening. And at sunset, he died. So Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they decided to go up anyways. They've heard the word of the Lord, but they decided to just go directly against it and go to battle. And Jehoshaphat agrees to this kind of head-scratching plan that you know Ahab's just going to disguise himself like a regular soldier, but he's going to dress as a king. And that almost gets him killed. The only reason it doesn't get him killed uh, in verse 31 is because he cried out and the Lord helped him. God diverted the soldiers away from him. So he, he decides to go against the word of the Lord, to go up with Ahab, and, and he's almost killed because of this. And Ahab is killed because Ahab 
neglects the word of the Lord. <clears throat> and then, but, but Jehoshaphat survives. He, he returns to Judah. Um, and then we'll pick back up in, in verse 4 of chapter 19. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. He appointed judges in the land and all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. He said to the judges, Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bride. Okay, so this is, this is now smiley face Jehoshaphat again, right? He's, he's, he's back in the country of Judah. He, he is uh, working to bring the people back to the Lord. And again, he's sending people out who will uh, to act as judges who will judge according to the law of the Lord. He's seeking the Lord in his own life, and he, he's seeking the Lord for, for the, the, the nation that the Lord has, has given him to rule over. <clears throat> and then, so we'll, we'll, we'll pick up now in chapter 20, first verse. Chapter 20, verse 1. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. <clears throat> so there, there's this great calamity that, that, is, that is approaching. Their, their Judah is about to be attacked by, these, by, all these eight, by all these nations, and so they seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat uh, proclaims a fast for the entire nation to seek God. In verse, verse 10 of chapter 20. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab, this is Jehoshaphat, he's praying to the Lord here in the presence of the people. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what, what, what to do, but our eyes are on you. In verse 22, we see the response of this prayer, this great trust and faith that Jehoshaphat and the people are placing in God. In verse 22 of chapter 20, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. They had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the, with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. So God, God works this great victory for his people. He brings salvation for his people because they trust in him. They sought him. They didn't rely on themselves, but they, they relied on God, saying, our eyes are on you. And God delivered them because he said that he would. And then finally, we'll read the last three verses of this chapter, beginning in verse 35. One well, of the last things that are recorded in Chronicles about Jehoshaphat. 
verse 35, After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel. He acted wickedly in so doing. So he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion, Hebrew. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavahu of Merisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. So the ships were broken and could not go to Tarshish. So again, right here at the end, we have a little bit of a frowny face to Hoshaphat again. And, and it's, it's a similar, similar situation to what happened back in chapter 18. He allies himself with the wicked king of Israel, this time not to go to battle, but, but to go to the market. He, he's looking to go gain wealth with this fleet of merchant ships that he's partnering to build with the, with the king of Israel. But the, a, a, a prophet comes and says, because you've done this, because you've allied yourself with wickedness again, the Lord is, is going to, to destroy your efforts, and the fleet is destroyed. So that, that's a, a, an overview of the life of Jehoshaphat. Um, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to read the, the entirety of the chapters yourself at home. Uh, make time to read that and, and think about it and, and apply it in your lives. Um, but for, for the, the few minutes we have this morning, I just want, want to think about his life um, and, and think about, you know, if we're, going to, if, we, if we're going to classify Jehoshaphat as a good king or as a bad king based on the things that he's done, I think we would probably all say that he was a good king. I think we'd probably all agree with the, the smiley face on, on the poster on the wall. Yeah, well, Jehoshaphat, he, he was a good king. And if, if, we're, if we're going to use that binary way of classifying kings, then I would agree that he, he would be a good king. He, he gets a smiley face. But he has some really terrible mistakes that we read about in these chapters. He, he does some really terrible, foolish things. And, and, and the, the, the bad parts of the story, they're not small things that we can just sweep under the rug. It's not like, and, and Jehoshaphat, he forgot to pay his, his parking meter. It's, it's, not, it's, it's nothing like that. Like, he is allying himself with Ahab and going to battle with Ahab against the direct words of the Lord. These are not small things that Jehoshaphat is doing. And years later, we see he again aligns himself with the northern nation of Israel in order to increase his own wealth. These aren't minor bumps on the road that we can just sweep under the rug because, you know, all in all, he was a good king. I don't think they'd be reported for us if we were just supposed to kind of, you know, sweep them under the rug, ignore them, because all in all, he was good. So, what is there about Jehoshaphat that makes us want to label him a good king? I would, I would agree that, that he is that, but why do we think that? It's certainly not what he does in chapter 18 and at the end of chapter 20. So what is it about him? Is it because he does more good than he does bad? I mean, you know, all of chapter 17, um, all of chapter 19, even in chapter 18 when he asked for a prophet of the Lord, all of almost all of chapter 20, you know, from a, a, a verse count, he does a lot more good than he does bad. So is that why we want to, to classify him as a good, as a good king? Because he, he, as what's reported for us, he does more good than bad. I don't know, to me that seems like a little bit of an arbitrary way to measure things. Because who, who is to say that even though he does fewer bad things, uh, 
yeah, even though even though he does fewer bad things than good things, who's to say that the bad things he does are not worse than the good things? Or maybe we should weight the bad things heavier than we weight the good things because they were so bad. It, it, it's a little bit of a maybe an arbitrary way of measuring things. Um, and I think that if we try to classify him as good or bad based on the things that he did, then we're going to be looking at it from the wrong perspective. And I think that that is, I think that we, that we learned this in Second Chronicles. So look, look with me in Second Chronicles chapter 19. We're, we're going to read the first, uh, the first three verses, the first four verses. Second Chronicles chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. We, we didn't read this a few minutes ago. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? But there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah from the land, and you have set your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, to God of their fathers. Again, what happened in chapter 18 was not just a tiny little slip-up for Jehoshaphat. He, he, he is accused here by the prophet of the Lord in chapter 19 of helping the wicked and of loving those who hate the Lord. That's not a small charge. But why does Jehu the prophet say that there is some good in Jehoshaphat? Well, it's because he removed the idols and he set his heart to seek the Lord. He set his heart to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a king who was seeking God. At his core, this is who he was. He was a man who was seeking God. And this does not excuse his terrible choices. If, if it excused his terrible choices, I don't think that the prophet would have come and rebuked him like he did. But he was a man who sought the Lord. And there, there is a, a stark difference between someone like Jehoshaphat, uh, who is seeking the Lord, and someone like Ahab, who, who was continually wicked before the Lord, who was seeking his own way, his, his own way of doing things. There's a stark difference between those two people. <clears throat> Jehoshaphat makes some terrible decisions, terrible sinful choices, but his heart is always about seeking God. Ahab's heart was not about seeking God. It, it was not about seeking God, but Jehoshaphat's was. Ahab was someone who I would feel very safe for classifying kings here. I would feel very safe classifying him you know, as that frowny-faced king. But more than that, Ahab was an enemy of God. Ahab was an enemy of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was not an enemy of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was someone who sought the Lord with his heart, but who failed at times who failed to trust in the Lord, who failed to heed the Lord's instruction, but he was not an enemy of God. <clears throat> and, and I would argue that, that his story, Jehoshaphat's story, I would argue that it makes a lot more sense when we read it with the viewpoint of him being a good king because he set his heart to seek God, not because he, he did good things, not because maybe he there are more verses that say good things about him than verses that say bad things about him. I, I would argue that it, it's, it's not for those reasons, but it because, it's because he set his heart to seek God. He doesn't get this classification of, of seeking God, um, <coughs> of having some good in him. He doesn't get that after he did a certain number of good things. 
he, he gets that classification because he, he because he sought the Lord with his heart. <clears throat> the, the whatever good things he did, you know, removing the Asherah from the land, sending the, the people out to teach the citizens, whatever good things he's doing, he's doing those things because he had already determined to set his heart to seek the Lord. They are a result of him seeking after the Lord. And so if, if, this, is, if this is who Jehoshaphat is, if, if, if he is a king who, who as, as the prophet said, has set, had set his heart to seek God, then I, I, I would argue that there's, there are some things that we should learn from a king like this. Um, and so, so for the last few minutes here, I'd like to discuss some important applications, perhaps, from Jehoshaphat's story here in 2 Chronicles. <clears throat> so, I, in the vein of, you know, classifying kings as good or bad, classifying people as good or as bad, I'm afraid that, that all too often we do that with ourselves. And, and when I say we, I mean I do things. I, I, I'm afraid this is something that I do with myself. That I, I often view myself as a good person. You know, just, I, I may not consciously be thinking, yeah, I'm such a good person, but in, inherent to my thought process, kind of subconsciously, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. I, I do some pretty good things. And I'm not sure if that's the right attitude that I should have. I, I don't know if I, I, in fact, I argue that I shouldn't be viewing myself as a good person. And before you, get ahead of, before you get ahead of me, I'm not about to advocate self-loathing or living with guilt or anything like that. That's not where I'm going with any of this. <clears throat> so let's get that out of the way. That's not where we're going. Now, where we are going, I think this is, a couple of problems arise when we view ourselves as, as good people, when we have that you know, subconscious, inherent viewpoint of ourselves. And, and the, the first, first of the two problems that I like to discuss is when we view ourselves as good people, we can lull ourselves into a false sense of security when it comes to the actions that we take, the attitudes that we have, the ways that we treat people, things like that. I think viewing ourselves as, as good people can lull us into a false sense of security with these things. Because <clears throat> think about what we do with the kings. Think about what, what, what we do with, with the kings in the divided kingdom. We first, we, we first classify them as good or as bad and then we, we try, we wrestle and we try to fit every single decision that they make into whatever box we just put them in. If it's a good king, then, I mean, he made some terrible decisions, but you know, maybe we just don't talk about that. We're just going to focus on the good things that he did, and he was a good king. And Ahab was a horrible king, but, I mean, he, he humbled himself here. What are we supposed to learn from that? Oh, no, he, he was just a horrible king. He just had Naboth killed, or his wife did. But... <clears throat> That's, that, that's what we do with, with the kings at times, or what I do with the kings at times. Um, and I think when we do this with ourselves, it becomes very dangerous. Um, when we, we, we inherently have, have maybe classified ourselves as a good person, and so we try and fit every decision that we make into that box, I'm a good person. <clears throat> so if my decision-making process, whether it's about this thing I'm about to do, the way I'm going to respond to this person, uh, the attitude that I'm going to take towards my friends or my spouse or, or my family, 
well, whatever decision I'm about to make, if that decision-making process begins with the unconscious assumption that I'm a good person, then we're in dangerous territory, and that can lead me to making an unwise or an even sinful decision, because if I think it's the right decision, then it has to be because I'm a good person. Are, are you with me? There, there's some circular reasoning here that, that, that I'm afraid goes on at times, um, some inherent bias in our decision-making when we, when, when we have this viewpoint of I'm a good person because, you know, whatever reason, I, I think I'm a good person. So if the criteria for making, if the criteria for making a good decision, which we all want to make good decisions, I'm not, you know, I don't think any of us would argue that, but if the cr criteria for making a good decision is would a good person want to do this? And if I already kind of subconsciously view myself as a good person, well, I'm going to make that choice whether it's actually a good choice or not. Because I think I'm a good person and I want to do what good people want to do and I want to do this. And it's, it's almost weird to describe because it's so circular. But it's dangerous. We lull ourselves into a false sense of security when our standard, uh, when our standard for making good choices becomes what do I think a good person would do? Because at that point, I'm already leaning toward making whatever choice I want to make because there's no way I'm a bad person. Or maybe we even pull other people into this mental process. We think of others who we would consider to be good people. And then we decide to do something based on whether or not they're doing that same type of thing. You know, all these people over here who are, are they're great people, they're really good people. They're doing this, they think it's okay, they're talking like this, so I'm gonna do that too because they're good people and I wanna be a good person. It, it's, it, it's a dangerous thought process to have. <clears throat> and that there, there's all kinds of trouble that we can get into when we do this. All kinds of relationship issues, all kinds of sins that we can be a part of, unwise choices that we make that, that lead us, that, that help us wander away from God, like we talked about a little bit this morning in, in Bible class. You know, if, 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 this is, if this is our decision-making process, you know, just wanting to do what good people do, well, maybe that can lead to, to me harboring hatred and bitterness in my heart towards, towards certain people or towards a certain person because it's kind of just what I feel like I want to do. And I wouldn't want to feel like doing something bad because I'm a good person, so I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hold on to this hatred and this bitterness. And after all, that person did something bad to me anyways, so they're, they're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. They got the frowny face, I've got the smiley face in this situation, so it's okay for me to feel like this them. It doesn't sound like, like forgiving 70 times, 7 times to me. Or maybe, you know, it's okay for me to slack off at, at, at this job and not work as hard as I should because I'm generally a really good person. I'm generally a really good employee. I work hard, so it's okay for me to slack off here and not, not work as unto the Lord. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to think this way. To, to, to almost let ourselves slide because we, we think, you know, I'm, I'm generally a pretty good person. And maybe I'm, I'm going to support this person or this party or this group of people because I've always felt like it's the right thing to do. And I'm a good person who generally tries to do good things. And my, my reasoning is even kind of tied to the Bible. And besides, all of the good people that I know are supporting this group or this person. 
And should, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord and so bring wrath upon yourself from the Lord? That's Jehu's question. That's not my question. That's Jehu's question. Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 2. And maybe, maybe I'm, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. Maybe I want to say something harsh to my spouse in response to something in the heat of the moment. And I want to say it, and I feel like I should say it, so I say it. Because that's what I feel like I should do in that situation. And besides, they had just said something hurtful to me. Am I supposed to respond in kind like that? Sometimes we feel like we, we can do that. Sometimes we feel like we have the right to respond in kind. Because why, why would they say that against me? I'm, such a good, I, I'm, I'm a good person. Why would they say that against me? And, and we just respond without, without truly considering what our standard should be. And again, I think it's important to note that, that probably most of the time, this is happening subconsciously. I don't think that, that we actually think, like, like in our mind, think the words, all right, I'm a good person, so this decision is okay. Maybe we, we do sometimes, but generally I don't think that's what we do. But I'm afraid that those assumptions are often lying right underneath the surface. So we need to take time to honestly evaluate what our decision-making standards are. Now I would argue that instead of viewing ourselves as good people, instead of viewing ourselves as good people, we don't, we don't view ourselves, I, I would not argue, sorry, let me back up. I would not argue that instead of viewing ourselves as good people, we should view ourselves as bad people. I don't, I don't think the Bible teaches that. I, don't think, I, I read what Paul had to say in his epistles. I don't think Paul viewed himself as a bad person. So instead of viewing ourselves as good people, I would argue that we should evaluate whether or not we are seeking God. Because that, that is what was said about Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 19, that he had set his heart to seek God. So instead of thinking, you know, am I a good person because I do good things, I think we should shift our, our thinking process and, and, and truly evaluate, am I seeking God? In every aspect of my life, in every relationship, in every conversation, in every job that I might have, in every extracurricular activity that I may take part of, am I seeking God? This is what the Lord was pleased with, with Jehoshaphat. And when you set your heart to seek God, that means that you're not going to use yourself or any other, quote, good person as the standard for decisions that you make in your life. You know, what, what did, uh, what was... What was Christ's response when someone said to him, you know, good teacher, what do you say about this? His response was, why, why do you call me good? There, there's no one good except for the Father. And when Christ says that, the implication was, yes, I am the good teacher, but I'm the good teacher because I am God. But for the rest of us, you know, well, why do you call me good? The, the, the only, there's only one who is good, and it's the Father. When, when, we, think, when we think about the word good, from the biblical way that it's used, I'm not a good person. I, I am not a good person. <clears throat> when, I, when I look in Genesis chapter 1, when I look in Genesis chapter 1 at the end of, of the sixth day of creation, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Everything was good. Everything was very good in, here in the beginning. Because there was no sin. 
their, their, everything was as God had created it to be. <coughs> Adam and Eve were as God had created them to be. They were ordering their lives according to his right order. That is what good looks like. And so when I look at my life, I'm not a good person in the biblical sense of the word. And I know we, we, we use good means a lot of different things now. You know, good, good can even mean, and that, that feels good. That's almost a bad thing. Like it's, that feels great versus that feels good. So good, I, I understand good means a lot of different things in how we use it today. From the biblical sense of the word, I am not a good person. Because I, 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 I look at my life and it is not rightly ordered. I, I am not living in, 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 in the way that God created me to live. Or I, I have not lived in the way that God created me to live. So instead of using myself or other people as the standard, the Lord must be my standard. His right order must be my standard. And when the Lord is my standard, then that goes a long way towards, towards ridding myself of any unconscious biases that I might have. So that was the first problem. That was the, fir the first problem that arises um, when we, you know, maybe classify things, classify ourselves, other people as good or as bad. The second problem, though, ari that arises when we view ourselves as good people is that I think we set ourselves up for, for these feelings of doubt and of fear about our salvation. You know, when, when, when it's about, am I a good person or not, that... that that, that can introduce some doubts into your mind about your salvation, and I know that because I've had them. You, know, you start thinking, you know, am, am I really saved? If God returned right now, would I be saved? And then, you know, I start thinking through all the things that I've done recently, and I'm trying to figure out if I've been doing good things or if, I, or if, or if I've been doing bad things. Um, and, and then I'm thinking, you know, when was the last time I prayed, God, please forgive me for any sins I've committed? And you know, I sure hope that I haven't sinned since the last time I prayed that prayer. But you know what? I better just pray it right now just in case, just to be sure. Uh, I, I don't... I know all these prayers because I've prayed them. I'm not saying this trying to be light or, or mocking or anything. I, I, I know this because I've, I've prayed these prayers. I've had this mindset. <clears throat> and I don't think that it's how I'm supposed to live. I don't think that I'm supposed to live with this constant fear and doubt and, and worry that God's going to come back and I haven't said these, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, nine words. God, please forgive me for any sins I've committed. That, I, that's not how we're supposed to live. But I'm afraid that this type of fear and doubt can arise when we want to view ourselves as good people or as bad people. Because then it's on me. And deep down, deep down, places we don't like to talk about at parties and stuff like that. We all know that when I'm counting good deeds versus bad deeds, that's never going to work out. That, that math is never going to work out. That equation is never going to balance because it's always going to be weighted toward the bad things that I've done. Always going to be weighted toward the bad things that I've done. And so when I, when, when I am viewing myself as a good person based on, you know, the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm not doing, I may fool myself for a while, but deep down, that's never going to work out. So does this mean that we're doomed to live in fear, unassured of our salvation, hoping desperately that, that Christ returns right after we've recited a, a somewhat canned prayer, like, please forgive me for any sins I've committed? 
I don't think that we're resigned to that. I, I, I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see that in the New Testament. I don't see that in the Old Testament. <clears throat> the Lord was pleased with Jehoshaphat because he had set his heart to seek God. I, I would argue that if we, if we can shift our view of ourselves from whether or not we're a good person whether or not we are a saved person whose heart is seeking the Lord, that will go a long way towards, towards ridding ourselves of these doubts and these fears that we might have about our, our salvation and, and the, the promise of rest that we have in the end. I think we, we can rid ourselves of these doubts, but only if we, we view ourselves not as good, a good person or a bad person biblically speaking, but whether or not I am a saved person who, whose heart is seeking the Lord. The Lord was pleased with Jehoshaphat, not because of all the good things that he had done recently. In fact, he had just returned from, from helping Ahab, from, from helping the wicked and loving those who hate the Lord. He had just returned from that when this prophet comes to him. No, the Lord was not pleased with him because of what he had done recently, but he was pleased with him because his heart was seeking God. And I think we see the heart that was seeking God in his response to Jehu's reprimand. Well, we don't have a, a verbal response or anything like that. But what does verse 4 say? So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out of, again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. This is the response of someone who is seeking the Lord. This is the response to when confronted with sin to, uh, of one who is seeking the Lord. We studied this past Wednesday, Psalm 51, where we see the response of David, a man after God's own heart, when he is, is confronted with his, his wicked sin against Bathsheba and against Uriah. His response was, was to go to the Lord and seek the Lord, seek the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. So when, when this is my attitude, that of David, or, or sticking with our text this morning, that of Jehoshaphat, um, when, when, when this is my attitude when I'm confronted with, with sins, this is, the, this is the type of person that God will be pleased with. And when this is my attitude, I don't have to live in fear of whether or not I'm saved. Because I know, because when I'm seeking the Lord, he is going to be the standard for every decision that I make in my life. And, and if I'm seeking the Lord, if he's the standard in my life, when I'm confronted with an area of my life that does not live up to that standard, I'm going to immediately let God begin to change that part of me so that I can be more like him, so that I can be closer to, this, to, to the standard. Again, we, we, we should not view ourselves as good people. We should instead view ourselves as saved people who are seeking the Lord. I think there's much peace and there's, there's much assurance that, that can come from this. I appreciate your attention this morning. Um, I, I hope that, that this has been beneficial for you. Um, if, if you have questions about what we've discussed this morning, wasn't a discussion. If you have if you have questions about the things that I, I've talked about this morning, then then please you know get with me after after services. Um, shoot me a text, give me a call later in the week, whatever. We I, I'd love to discuss it further. Um, I, I I want 
us all to be able to have this hope and this assurance, um, this peace that comes from seeking the Lord. Thank God, God wants us to have that. His word is true. He has told us that if we seek him, he will be, that we will find him. If you are, if, you're, if you have not been seeking the Lord in your life recently, or possibly ever, um, we, we would love for you to begin doing that. Because um, if you're not seeking him, then you can't have this hope. You can't have this peace, this assurance that, I've, that, that we've been talking about. Um, but it, it, would be, it would be great if you did have it. And so if you haven't been seeking him, if, you had, if you've never even committed yourself to him in the first place, um, then we, we would beg you to do that this morning, to, to consider where your life is at and to surrender to his will, to stop trying to, to live your own way, make your own decisions, uh, ignoring the word of the Lord like Jehoshaphat did, um, but, but give yourself to the Lord and seek the Lord with your heart. Um, and if, if, you, if you would like to begin doing that this morning, then we can baptize you into a relationship with him. Um, you can go down into the water and be raised up, having been washed by the blood of Christ, um, and enter into that, that covenantal relationship with the Lord that all of us have who are seeking him. Um, if, if, if there are other things that you need, if you need encouragement, if you need help in some part of your life uh, to seek the Lord more, again, that, that's, that's part of why we're all here. That's part of why we all get together as a group is to encourage each other and help strengthen each other. Um, so if there's anything like that that you need from from the Lord this morning, then we would be happy to, to help you with that. Um, and if you, you make it known before you leave here, um, we we're going to have a moment here in just a second where you can come forward and ask for, for prayers or, or for, any, for anything like that that you may need or, or get with one of us right after services. But don't leave here without asking. Uh, and so just, I want to leave you with that encouragement um, as, as we're now going to stand and sing the song that's been prepared for us. Number 577.